Chapter thirty seven of A Battle for Right. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. A Battle for Right by Nicholas Carter. Chapter thirty seven The Rightful Heir. Bring in that young lady and her father with Chick, ordered the detective as he swung the secret panel shut and nodded to Patsy. Give me the key, Bonesy. Billings unlocked the door, and while Patsy was absent, he stood guard. Not that it was needed, for nobody made an attempt to get out. Here they are, Chief, cried Patsy, as he came in with the three persons he had been sent for. The girl would have run to the sick man as soon as she saw him, and it could be seen that a cry of recognition was ready to spring from her lips. Not yet, warned Nick. Patience for just a moment. She nodded obediently and sank into the chair Chick set for her. Her father, bewildered, was already seated. Now, gentlemen, went on the detective, in the first place I will ask this man, who has been posing as Howard Millmarsh, what his name really is. What is the use of my saying, grumbled the man he addressed. You know it. And of course, these other fellows do. He pointed to Loudon Powers and Andrew Lampton. They thought it was a slick game, and that we could get away with the bluff. I knew we couldn't. You could, if you'd had any nerve, snarled Loudon Powers. But you never could see a thing through. You're all right at the beginning, but you haven't the pluck to stay with the thing to the end. You're like a wet firecracker. There's a whiz and a puff, and you're done. You make me sick. T. Burton Potter? Potter smiled. He did not care what was said, now that the truth had come out. Then if this guy's name is Potter, the other one must be... began Bonesy Billings. Nick held up a hand to silence him. Then he whispered to Bessie Sylvius. Yes, Mr. Carter, she answered aloud. I believe he'll know me. I'll try him. She stepped over to the man who had spent so long a time in the Universal Hospital and laid a hand on his arm. He started and looked at her. Bob, she whispered, don't you know me? It was very difficult for him to draw his senses together, but it could be seen that her voice had touched a responsive chord in his being. He held out his hand to her. As she took it, he murmured brokenly, Bob Gordon? Yes, that is what they call me. But, but, it isn't quite right. How is it, Bessie? She laughed half hysterically. Did you hear that, Mr. Carter? He knows me. He called me by my name. He is coming to himself. The detective shook his head doubtfully. He was willing to admit that remembering the girl's name was a good sign, but it was not enough. Let me try, he said. Touching the young man on the shoulder, he bent over and whispered sharply in his ear, Howard Millmarsh. There was a slight movement, but it could not be said that the name had brought him to his senses. He slumped down in his chair again and in a weary voice murmured, Bessie. The only thing he can think of, remarked Chick, He's a lucky man. 
I don't see where the luck comes in if he's off his nut, rejoined Patsy. Bonesy Billings, Chick, and Patsy were all gathered about him, each one watching for some other indications of returning intelligence besides that contained in the single word Bessie. It was this moment of which Loudon Powers took advantage. With a sign to Lambton, Loudon crept toward the door. But Nick was on the alert, even though so deeply engaged. Not yet, Loudon, he shouted, as he rushed forward to cut off the rascal's escape. Get back, roared Powers. You'd better. If you don't want to get this, he had picked up a heavy cut-glass water bottle from the table and was swinging it around his head. Nick dashed at him, and Loudon let the bottle go with all his force. The detective ducked, and the bottle went past. A shriek from Bessie Silvius made him turn quickly. Howard Millmarsh, the real one, was lying back in his chair, and a thin red stream trickled over his forehead. "'Get that fellow!' shouted Nick over his shoulder as he rushed to the wounded man crumpled up in the big armchair. "'I've got him all right,' replied Bonesy Billings. Billings had back-heeled Loudon Powers just as he got to the door, and now was kneeling on the chest of the discomforted scoundrel. Lampton, scared, was in his chair. He had jumped up when Loudon tried to get away. Then, seeing that the attempt would fail, he prudently resumed his seat in the hurry. Nick was examining the wound, putting his handkerchief to it, and noting at the same time that the sufferer was talking rapidly. They just caught him with a glancing stroke, announced the detective. It jarred him. But that is all. It is not serious. Just enough of a concussion to— He stopped, and looked around him with a hopeful look in his keen, dark eyes. What's this? The wounded man was saying in a natural— though weak voice. Are we off the roof? Is the fire still burning? We didn't go through, did we? Where's Bessie? Here I am, here I am, she answered eagerly. He took her hand and stared into her face. Then he smiled. This time it was with as much intelligence as her own. Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter, she screamed. Yes? He has got back his senses. Look at him. Do you know who you are? asked Nick, close to him. Howard Millmarsh to you, Mr. Carter. Howard Millmarsh. What is the use of my saying my name, if anything else? You know me. I don't care who knows it now, anyhow. I had determined to give myself up. I killed Richard Jarvis. No, you didn't. You're mistaken. You did not kill him, declared the detective emphatically. You will take my word, won't you? Take your word, Mr. Carter. Of course I will. I must. But are you sure? Of course I'm sure. I can prove it. Then is Richard Jarvis alive? No, but he died by an accident, after he had quite recovered from the blow you gave him. It was only a knockout. He came to in a few minutes. You were scared unnecessarily. Now you will come into your own. But my father! Ah, yes, I know, my poor father. Tears, real, comforting natural tears, flowed from his eyes. 
they would have proved if there had been nothing else that howard milmarsh was again himself and that he was prepared to face whatever might be his fate dick carter turned away to see what bonesy was doing to the prostrate cursing loudon powers take him away billings lock him up in a cellar till the police come as bonesy billings promptly obeyed by yanking loudon powers to his feet as if he had been a sack of oats andrew lampton exclaimed in a terrified tone police have you sent for the police nick waited till loudon powers was out of the room then he went close to lampton and spoke to him quietly look here lampton i promised that if you brought t burton potter to me i would do something for you i will keep my word by giving you half an hour's start of the police get out i'd advise you to get over the canadian border as soon as you can do it don't ever show up in new york again if you do i won't answer for the consequences understand andrew lampton did understand he was out of the house almost before the detective had finished speaking are you gonna bring any charge against me whimpered t burton potter or may i go i know you are a crook potter but in this case i recognize that you are led into mischief by stronger wills than your own for attempt to defraud howard milmarsh of his rights would mean perhaps ten years in sing sing if the charge were pressed but you helped me find the right man at last and i believe you are really sorry for what you have done yes and get out of this house interrupted nick the same advice i gave to andrew lampton applies to you lose no time in jumping over the line into canada you may escape that way it is your own lookout go and may you find a better life in future i will returned t burton potter earnestly i have had such a scare this time that i am through with crookedness for all time i hope that's true you bet it's true insisted potter as he hurried from the room it seems to me that you're letting all the crooks get away chief protested chick mildly i think both potter and lambton ought to be handed over to the police with powers strictly speaking according to the law i suppose they should conceded the chief but i have to consider howard milmarsh he has recovered his senses it is true thanks to that bottle over there but it'll be some time before it'll be safe to put him through another mental strain i guess you're right of course he's right put in patsy he's always right it seems to me that you had a lot of nerve to tell him he wasn't that will do interposed nick smiling i can't afford to have my two men both of them the most loyal lieutenants a man could have arguing over me but he said blurted out patsy i know what he said and he was right in a way but there are circumstances that make it desirable that howard milmarsh should take possession of his estate with as little fuss as possible i promised his father that i would see he was allowed to do so and that's what i have to do it was three months after that exciting night at the great milmarsh mansion on the hill another night of an exciting nature may be mentioned the excitement this time was of a much more pleasant kind however the wedding of howard milmarsh and bessie sylvius had just taken place nick carter chick and patsy were all there together with billings who wore evening clothes for the first and only time in his life 
Jake had been the best man at the ceremony, and a niece of Captain Brown's was the bridesmaid. Among the guests were all the people who had been swindled over the Paradise City land project. They had got back their money with a large bonus to each person in addition, and now were there to cheer the finest man who ever had lived in that part of the country, in their opinion, Howard Millmarsh. That's all right, so far as it goes, remarked Patsy Garvin to Chick, sotto voce. But where would Howard Millmarsh have been today if it were not for the chief? That's so, agreed Chick. Howard is like all of us. He has to take off his hat to Nick Carter. The End End of Chapter 37 Recording by John Brandon End of A Battle for Right by Nicholas Carter